Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to the Vibe Within podcast. I'm your host, Gab Cohen. Each week, we will connect through stories and conversations about wellness, yoga, addictions, spirituality, mental health, rituals, and everything in between. The goal is to transform our traumas into strengths to create the change we desire in our lives. My mission is to help others by shining awareness on real-life topics so we can learn new ways to heal physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Whatever you are going through in this moment, you are not alone. So let's connect and heal our vibe within. But how can I transform resistance? Release that struggling heart into calm energy. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Vibe Within podcast. I'm your host, Gab Cohen, and um, I'm going to make this intro as short as possible. I am currently in LA as I'm recording this intro. By the time you listen to it, probably not in LA anymore, but um, yeah, I needed to take a little breather away from Miami, and I just wanted to express how important it is to move energy around when you're feeling stuck. It doesn't mean you have to hop on a plane, but it means moving energy around in your apartment, reorganizing, decluttering, cleaning. Um, I recently learned from a tarot reader that I um, am obsessed with on YouTube. Her her name is Wendy Bones. Um, I learned from her recently that the reason why witches are correlated with brooms is because they would clean and move energy around through the process of cleaning. And through the process of cleansing and cleaning, the energy is, you know, transformed or transmuted into something um, that feels better. So that's my little tip. Um, Sometimes just cleaning out your closet or reorganizing your altar or, you know, getting rid of things can be a physical release as well. So this episode today, I am interviewing Mindy Gorman-Pulzer. She is an eating disorder expert. She works in the field. She's been working in the field for many, many years. She's also um, got her own practice where she works with clients one-on-one who um, are struggling with eating disorders. And she also has one huge foot in the holistic and functional medicine world. So she kind of combines and fuses the two worlds together, eating disorder um, therapy and recovery with functional medicine, which is a amazing, amazing approach. And she is really integrating mind, body, soul, spirit all together 
into the process of eating disorder recovery. So even if you don't have an eating disorder, this episode can truly help you because Mindy is just so powerful with the way that she speaks, the way that she articulates things. Um, We all have a little bit of weird things going on with food. I mean, I I truly, truly think everybody does. Um, Maybe except for my dad because he seems like he's like the most normal person with food. So... I know there are people out there, but uh, it just seems like now there's just a lot of awareness around what what to eat, what not to eat, what these different industries are telling us that we can't eat, um, the eating disorder realm and the eating disorder kind of um, world is is very weird. It's it's a it's a weird place, and also you know with functional medicine um, comes all these you know, restriction diets or elimination diets and all these things that can really affect someone who is trying to recover from disordered eating or a full-blown eating disorder. Um, It can become very messy, and that's what we talk about in this episode. We talk about really how to find a way to recover in your way, in your own way, connecting to your body. And she talks a lot about what is most important to focus on when you're recovering from an eating disorder from a functional medicine approach, which is gut health, but she really gets deep into it. And I ask her a lot of detailed questions um, based on my own experience and my own kind of battle with everything. And, you know, stomach issues, GI issues can cause eating disorders, and then eating disorders can cause GI issues. So, it's really like a vicious cycle, you know? So this episode is going to help anyone who is struggling right now with body, with healing, with digestion, with food, with emotional health. Um, she's all about listening to yourself, finding a, a, you know, artistically designed treatment plan that's good for you and that feels good for you. It can become very overwhelming. So um, if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to maybe rate, review, or subscribe on iTunes. You can also screenshot it and share in your stories on Instagram. Be sure to um, tag me and tag Mindy on Instagram. I will put her information in the show notes. Her Instagram is, let's see, it is... It's not Mindy, is it? It is the Freedom Promise. So I'll put that in the show notes, and then you can obviously tag me, Gab Love Flow, on Instagram. I love when I uh, see you guys sharing and what episodes really resonated with you the most. So I think this episode is really going to help you guys, and we will uh, connect soon. Enjoy. Awesome. Well, when I listened to all these podcast episodes that you were on, Mindy, I became like a, a hyper fan of yours. And I just was like, okay, what what other podcast was she on? I need to listen to everything about her her process because when you speak about your process with recovering from eating disorders, it it really intersects with a lot of the stuff that I'm going through with autoimmune, with um, food sensitivities and I go to a lot of meetings, a lot of like support group meetings 
um, like eating disorder groups. And it seems to be like a common thread right now where I'm hearing so many people talking about health issues while recovering from an eating disorder. So it's like these two worlds overlap and traditional eating disorder recovery doesn't really mesh that well with healing from autoimmune or Hashimoto's or a host of um, health issues. So I love what you speak about, and I'm really, really excited that you're here today. I am equally as excited to be here. And so much of what you just talked about has been resonating with me for years, which is why I do the work I do and why I felt it was so important to not only develop an alternative approach, but to offer it um, and hope that the, the message that there is an alternative approach gets out there. And that's why I'm so grateful to you for inviting me today. So I have a ton of questions and topics that I'd love to get into, but I guess let's just start there. Is that um, eating disorders and autoimmune conditions like Hashimoto's, hypothyroidism, they seem to be very linked. And you know, when my eating disorder developed in high school, um, I didn't have any of these issues yet. I didn't have hypothyroidism. I didn't have Hashimoto's. And over the years, it seems to me that my eating disorder, in my opinion, triggered these issues. So the the years of restriction, purging, over-exercising, whatever it is, whatever kind of eating disorder um, the person has can literally be the trigger of these conditions. So have you have you seen that a lot in your practice? I see it every day and I live it every day with my own recovery. But what's important to understand is we need to go back to the beginning. As a mentor of mine says, let's back it up. Let's start with the premise that the eating disorder is not the problem. The eating disorder started out as a solution to a problem. It started out as a way to self-soothe, as a way to navigate the world that we felt we needed to find survival in for whatever reason. And everybody's trauma is different. Everybody's level of trauma is different. And trauma is a big umbrella word. You know, there's there's big trauma and there's little trauma, big T, little T. And of course we can talk about that. So that's the first thing that's really important to understand. We always need to start with the context within which the eating disorder developed. So that's one piece of it. Let's put the eating disorder in its container. The autoimmune issues, the dis-ease, really occur also as a reaction to the stress that is in the body, the trauma that the body is holding on to. When we are experiencing extreme levels of stress, whether it is a result of the eating disorder or a contributing factor to the eating disorder, there are changes that go on within the body, within the brain, within the gut. And most of the immune system is in the gut. So therefore, what is an autoimmune 
issue. It's really the body's immune system attacking itself. Right. So do you see why there's a connection? It's not that the eating disorder is causing the autoimmune issue or the dis-ease state. And by that, I mean the lack of health state, the lack of well-being, whatever is going on in the body. It's that it's happening as a result of the stress that is either triggering the eating disorder or was triggered by the stress that the eating disorder put the body through. Right. So it's like, what came first, chicken or the egg? Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, the truth is, does it really matter? What matters is how we approach recovery. Yeah. You know, the traditional protocols, and that's what I went through. I started to recover from my eating disorder back in the 90s. It was the early 90s, actually. I was in my 30s when I hit bottom. And I reached out to my family doctor, conventional practitioner. And I knew nothing those years about integrative medicine, functional medicine, holistic health. All I knew was that I needed to get better. And at the time, my eating disorder showed up as chronic restricting anorexia but I also had purge type anorexia. So I was purging with the use of laxatives, the abuse of laxatives, or whatever little bit that I was eating. So you can imagine how messed up my gut was. Yeah. But that was yeah. never addressed. That's, a, that's another part of the story. So I went to my conventional doctor, who I agreed to see for weekly weigh-ins and vital checks. And then I agreed to see a therapist, who I saw twice, sometimes three times weekly. And then of course I met with a dietitian. Mm -hmm. So recovery for me, doing recovery for me was about being told what I needed to weigh, how I needed to think and feel and what I needed to eat. Nobody was addressing what I was truly hungry for. Nobody was addressing where I was deficient in my life. They were only addressing where I was deficient when it came to my nutrition. Yeah. And it just was not sustainable for me. So I was going through the motions of what I say doing recovery without any concept of what it was to be recovered. Not until much later on that I engaged in additional training in eating psychology and functional medicine nutrition, was I able to see that all systems of the body are connected and that every body is unique and that the all foods fit protocol that was being offered by the conventional eating disorder practitioners, recovery practitioners, which are wonderfully generous, fabulous people. They're just not trained differently. Right. Was not sustainable because it wasn't addressing the systems of my body and then as I came to learn, those of my clients. Yeah. Like, you're speaking to my soul right now because, uh, well, first off, when, when you say traditional eating disorder therapy um, or treatment, um, maybe some of the listeners know what we mean. Maybe some of them don't. For In my case, I was put an inpatient, you know, against my will when I was in high school, which was the thing to do because it saved my life. But 
hindsight, you know, I'm 31 now and looking back at the kind of treatment it was, I think that the treatment experience actually caused trauma and actually triggered a couple other eating disorders to come after treatment. So that, that happened. And, um, I, I resonate with your experience with chronic restricting anorexia is what I went to treatment for. Um, and in treatment, there was, you know, if you had any food restrictions, they would look at you as being non-compliant. So now in, in my journey now where I, I have an eating disorder and I'm in recovery, um, while recovering from auto, autoimmune issues and Hashimoto's, I sit back and I think, wow, you know, if, you know, if my eating disorder got to the point where I said, you know, I want to go to treatment, I would be considered non-compliant if I went in there. So things have changed a lot. And the, the all foods fit protocol, um, along with intuitive eating, let's say. My cat keeps coming in and out as, as he pleases. Um, intuitive eating kind of makes my blood boil sometimes hearing it because it's like, well, how does a person with an eating disorder for 10, 15, 20 years say, oh yeah, you know what? I'm just going to intuitively eat. I'm just going to eat what feels good. That's like telling an alcoholic, you know what? Just choose the bar, go to the bar, look at the menu, choose a drink. When you're done, just leave. What are your thoughts on this? I'm hesitating only because I have so many and I want to be able to articulate them properly. All right, first of all, it's impossible to be an intuitive eater when you don't have intuition as it relates to hunger, fullness, and satiety, number one. You cannot be an intuitive eater unless you are willing to bring mindfulness to the table. And when I say the table, it's metaphoric for our lives. If we are in a state where we are fearing what food will do to us, we are not able to release the fear, to leave that mindset of scarcity behind, embrace a mindset of abundance. In that mindset of abundance is where we find intuition because in that mindset of abundance in that space of abundance are boundaries and honor and liberation so that's my feeling on intuitive eating for some intuitive eating just becomes another set of rules becomes another diet there's that thought then let's talk about the all foods fit protocol and what happened to you in treatment, because this is a story that breaks my heart. I hear it daily from the women that I'm blessed to work with who have come out of residential treatment with more disordered behaviors than they went in with. Because the treatment process, the way it is now, is extremely disempowering. To be told that you need to comply to an all-foods-fit diet that recovery is about what you weigh, that recovery is about food groups and exchanges, 
is doing nothing to teach you to listen to the wisdom of your body when it comes to hunger, fullness, and satiety, and what foods are best for your body. How disempowering is that to be told that you've got to eat everything on your plate? Yeah, and it's and it's stressful. Oh, of course it's stressful because you you're you're trapped in a situation that is holding you hostage as as deeply and as tightly as your eating disorder did or is. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Recovery. All right, let's talk about recovery. The yeah. definition of recovery, if you were to look it up, is to regain what was lost or taken. Mm-hmm. Right? I prefer to think of recovery as liberation. As yeah. a letting go. You know, when you're in compliance and you're eating what you're told and you are showing up for your appointments, you're doing recovery. Being recovered is about having experienced transformation. And transformation, in my mind, is less about what we do to change and more about what we let go of in an effort to be the change. So what are we letting go of? We're letting go of fear. We're letting go of lack. We're letting go of a disordered relationship with deprivation. We are letting go of a belief system. We're letting go of story that is no longer serving us. That's where the work is. The work isn't eating more or eating less, moving more or moving less. Right. It's so much deeper than that. It's so much deeper than that. And it's interesting because the memories that I have from treatment, and this is more than 15 years ago. This is about 16 years ago. Mm -hmm. So it's a long time. Um, I was just doing what I was being told to do so I could get out of there. Exactly. So So that I could... Because, and I also want to talk about, so let's stick a pin in that. I, I really want to talk about for people who are in the restriction kind of, because my eating disorder has, has evolved a lot and I'm not, um, I guess I, I would be called atypical anorexic because I'm not underweight. So, but. I, I, I must interrupt you. Yes. I, and it's so a very ha- problematic. No, I'm so happy you said that because conventional treatment practitioners, even conventional medical doctors, and I know you wanted to talk about that as well, mm-hmm. you know, functional versus conventional, they would say to someone, you don't have an eating disorder, you're of a normal, I hate that word, but you're of a healthy weight. Mm-hmm. No, no. You can be of a healthy weight but have such anorexic thoughts because you're so afraid of what food is going to do to you that you're thinking about it all the time. You fear it. You deny your hunger. Mm-hmm. And you are living a restricted life in and out of the kitchen. I'm, I'm sorry for interrupting, but that is no, no, such, no, that was that was such an important point to make. And the same, yes. thing, same thing with bulimia nervosa. Mm-hmm. Most people who are struggling with binging and purging are of a technically normal weight according to the weight charts you know that the doctors are using when i was um in my bulimia phase of my eating disorder Mm -hmm. like i've had every iteration of it Mm -hmm. but feels i was you know teaching yoga looked completely normal 
um, you know, I had really bad acne and there's other things that were going on, like digestive issues and Mm -hmm. stuff. But I think like the thing that with the evolution of eating disorders and how it can change throughout the years too, um, is this, this, this constant, um, discomfort that I felt when I was in treatment of just, you know, being told to eat these foods, gain the weight, get out so you could be free and then you could feel better, I guess. Um, but the amount of weight that I, that I gained in such a short period of time was very intense on my five foot one frame Mm -hmm. and I wasn't prepared and they didn't prepare me for the feeling physically, you know what I mean? So I feel like that just triggered me to then, um, try to lose weight again when I got out of treatment. And I feel like right when I got out of treatment in high school, um, I was around 17. Um, you know, that's when they discovered that I had hypothyroidism, but Mm -hmm. I don't think I really had hypothyroidism. I think my body had just gone through a very crazy trauma and my body was like, what the hell is going on? So long story short, I was put on thyroid medicine. I don't think I should have been put on thyroid medicine. I think my body was just calibrating and my endocrine system was like, what the fuck is going on? And so I was put on thyroid medicine. I was on that for a long time. And I think maybe birth control, probably partying, doing drugs, all these things created my Hashimoto's and my thyroid. And it feels like, and I'm wondering if you have clients who come to you with this issue, clients who had been anorexic, maybe one time in their life underweight. And even if they are a normal weight, they're not overweight, you know, that they look healthy and fit or whatever, but they're not comfortable in their body and they want to lose weight. Um, for me, my weight fluctuates very easily with my autoimmune Mm -hmm. and what you said about fearing food with Hashimoto's. I mean, if anybody's listening, I'm sure you, you can relate. You can eat something that is deemed healthy, like a salad and you're reacting. Your body will, will like flame up and, and you're like, why, why are my legs swollen? Why are my fingers swollen? Like, why is this happening? So it's really hard to find that trust in your body and recover from an eating disorder. And I'm just wondering if you have clients like that who come in, who, who, still just don't feel good in their body. Maybe they were, um, they had gone to treatment for anorexia in the past and it's like, they're still in, in the eating disorder and they're still not feeling comfortable in their body. You're talking about the majority of the clients that I work with, but what is missing here and what was probably missing for you was addressing what was going on in your gut. You see, when it comes to thyroid health particularly, thyroid converts from T4, which is the thyroid hormone itself, to T3, which is the form of the thyroid hormone that literally bathes our cells. That's that's how um, the thyroid hormone helps our bodies to function when it converts to T3. 
that conversion happens in the gut. So when there is gut dysfunction as a result of eating disorder, disordered eating behaviors, restricting, binging, purging, when those hunger hormones are distorted and dysfunctional, when what's happening from the gut is disordered in such a way that the messages that it's supposed to be sending to the brain are skewed, all of that affects every system of our body and the thyroid is one of them. And back to what we were talking about before, the conventional all foods fit treatment protocol ignores that piece. While the gut brain connection is being researched and studied heavily and being acknowledged by many conventional practitioners today, it's not being handled in alignment with what we're feeding our bodies and how these patients are being fed. So essentially, the phrase I use all the time is that conventional treatment is feeding anxiety. Conventional treatment is feeding the eating disorder. Conventional treatment is feeding all of these other issues that are happening as a result of what is happening in the body. And the gut is the second brain. The gut and the brain are so closely connected. Do you know, here's a little fact, that when we are developing fetuses, the gut and the brain develop from the same tissue? They split off and they separate. But that's how closely related and how closely the makeup is of the gut and the brain. It's a bi-directional pathway. The gut sends more messages to the brain than the brain sends to the gut. So that's a really important piece. The other piece is that I think it's 77% of our immune system is in our gut. Right. So when the gut is addressed properly and nutritional protocols are explored and tried and tested and assessed and tracked. That's how we can reverse so many of the conditions that you're talking about. Right. And we do that very carefully. We do it lovingly. We do it in partnership. I don't tell my clients what to eat. We figure out together what makes them feel best. I might make a recommendation but then together we assess and we track and we say, this works, this doesn't work. And that's how I empower my clients to become the master of their healing. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. I seriously love BetterHelp so much. They're one of my favorite sponsors and I will tell you why I love them so much. When I started this podcast, I was going through a really rough time. I'm talking drug relapse, drug addiction, drug abuse, relationship issues, anxiety, depression. I was going through one of the craziest moves of my life. So therapy really helped me get through a lot of that. And online therapy is in my opinion, even better than going to a therapist's office because, let's face it, 
our lives have changed the last year or so and I just feel like online therapy is the best way to go. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist and you can start communicating with them in less than 48 hours. They really do match you with with a therapist so quickly. It takes, in my case, less than 24 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. And there's a broad range of expertise available, which might not really be locally available in all areas. The service is available for clients worldwide, and it's super easy to access your account. You can log in, you can send a message to your counselor really at any time you want, and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, whatever you prefer. I like to do phone sessions sometimes because sometimes I like to, to go on a walk when I go on, when I do my therapy sessions. It's really up to you. Traditional therapy can come with kind of a stressful energy attached to it. So I really love how BetterHelp is really controlled by the the patient. If you want to connect with your therapist and communicate something with them, they have a journal feature, which I absolutely love. This journal feature has the option of sharing your journal entries with your therapist, but if you want to keep them totally uh, private and anonymous towards yourself, you don't have to share them with your therapist. But I really like this feature because For many of us, starting fresh with a new therapist gives us a lot of anxiety and it can trigger us. Um, So if you feel like that, you're not alone. I felt the same exact way because let's face it, a new therapist has to ask questions and try to get on the same page as where their client is. And sometimes rehashing our, our history of trauma and all the details can become kind of exhausting and a little bit annoying. So what I do when I start with a new therapist, like I did on BetterHelp, is I use the journal feature and I wrote kind of a lengthy email explaining to the therapist where what I've been through in the last few years, where I'm at right now, what I'm looking for in therapy, and what kind of therapy I've done, what kind of therapy I'm interested in, and what I'd like um, out of a therapist. So this is super important. If starting with a brand new therapist gives you panic or anxiety or stress, This is the most stress-free approach you could possibly do. I love how they matched me with someone with the experience and qualifications that I asked for. I personally asked for a therapist who had some experience with eating disorders, depression, and relationship trauma. Once BetterHelp matched me with my therapist, she messaged me right away and then I scheduled my first session with her for that week. The process is easy, effortless, and stress-free. BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available. So if you're going through a hard time right now, and let's face it, so many of us are, whether it's emotional turbulence, depression, anxiety, relationship issues, LGBTQ issues, Whatever it is, body image, self-esteem, BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. 
Visit betterhelp.com slash vibe. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, and join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Vibe within listeners, you get 10% off of your first month of online counseling at betterhelp.com slash vibe. That's better, H-E-L-P, dot com slash vibe betterhelp.com slash vibe go start online therapy dm me on instagram let me know how it's going and i hope that you get the help the support and the healing that you deserve yeah and that's how they're going to heal from their eating disorder yes because i mean i've heard the the term uh, ground up approach, um, and then head down approach. I'm already so heady. I have listened to thousands of podcasts about recovery. I know why my eating disorder is here. I know the trauma that triggered it. I know why it became to be. I know all that in my head. But it's the physicality of the recovery of, okay, well, I also have autoimmune issues now. So it's different mm-hmm. than when I was in high school. I can't just sit here and say, okay, yeah, I'm going to eat this. I'm going to eat this. I'm going to tackle the eating disorder head on. Now I feel like the ground up approach, which to me is like focusing on physical health first, and then maybe the mental health, the eating disorder will slowly dissolve when I feel more like safety and like more like the foods I'm eating are communicating with my body better. Um, But traditional doctors, I've had so many issues with my endocrinologist, with so many doctors that I've came in contact with that they look at me, I look healthy. They look at my labs, they look fine but my symptoms, I mean, are debilitating. So for me, it's almost like, okay, I'll deal with the eating disorder stuff later. It's, it's like, this is like where the fire alarm is, is like the symptoms and the autoimmune. So when you have a client who comes in who equally, you know, has issues that are symptoms from the autoimmune, but is also very obsessed with like being hyper aware of these foods, kind of terrified to eat. You know, I've had um, people tell me, well, maybe you should just focus on uh, juice cleanses and fasting and broths. And I'm like, well, I guess, I mean, that just feeds the eating disorder. That just makes me more scared of food. So what do you, what do, you do with, with clients like, like that? Well, you've heard me say, I'm sure, that physiology impacts psychology and psychology impacts physiology. So we address both. Right? The first thing I like to do with a client is to regulate their nervous system. Calm down so that I'm, I'm going to say she because all of my clients identify as she. So mm-hmm. I hope I'm not offending anybody listening. Mm-hmm. Um, she needs to be able to receive the blessings of recovery and liberation and freedom. So that's the first thing we need to work on. 
And of course, that's going to look different for everybody because everybody is coming in with a different story. And we spend a good time on that, a good, good amount of time on that story, creating a timeline, looking at antecedents, right? What, what set you up for the situation? All right. And then what, what are the triggering factors? What triggered the eating disorder? What's triggering symptoms now? And we all know what are symptoms. Symptoms are messages that your body is sending, screaming that it, these particular issues need your attention. What are some of the, the most common symptoms that you, your clients deal with, with autoimmune and eating disorders? Um, the most common symptoms are digestive distress, bloating, gas, constipation is a very big one, um, anxiety, huge, huge levels of anxiety, mood swings, sleep disorders, mm-hmm. um, and, and gen- of, yeah, of course. Well, all of that is, is sparked by hormonal imbalances, blood sugar imbalances, because blood sugar imbalances mimic anxiety. You could be in the throes of a blood sugar swing and think you're having a panic attack. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't really think of it like that. So that's a big one. So, you know, making sure that nutrition is properly balanced, that every meal and snack is, is a healthy combination of the appropriate protein, the appropriate healthy fat, and the appropriate carbohydrate. And when I use the word appropriate, I mean for the individual. Because right. keep in mind, our gut microbiomes, the environment within, are as unique as our fingerprints. Everybody's a different. And to what you said before, you could be eating the healthiest diet on earth. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Your body might not agree because there could be bacterial imbalances in the gut, and most likely there are. Right. It could be leaky gut, so the gut lining, the tight junctions that are supposed to protect us are leaky, so that could cause brain fog, cognitive dysfunction. It's all connected. It's all connected. And so we address all of that. So it's, yes, nerve, nervous system regulation, vagal toning, getting the vagus nerve activated so we're in that rest and digest state again, so we can receive all the blessings of recovery. And then we look at gut health. What's going on in the gut? We track. Um, I have my clients fill out food logs and I explain this is not in an effort to judge what they're eating. It's to give us information so we can understand what 
her body is doing with the food she's eating. That's, that's what functional medicine is all about. Right. It's not about an elimination diet. It's about figuring out how your body is functioning with, with regard to what you're putting into it. And that's the missing piece in conventional medicine today. Yeah, the elimination diet. I mean, I've, as someone with an eating disorder and Hashimoto's and autoimmune, I've tried everything. Don't eat nightshades, don't eat seeds, don't eat lectins, too many, too many plants, too many veggies with lectins in it. Um, obviously gluten, all, all the things. And it's like, at the end of the day, where, where I'm at right now, when I look at the list of foods that I eat, I can't take anything else out. So that's why I'm so hesitant sometimes to go to um, even a functional medicine doctor, even though I am on a mission to find one and I, I'm having, you know, it's, it's a journey just mm -hmm. to find one, but I have more confidence that they'll understand rather than just a normal practitioner. Because if I sit down and they say, okay, you have Hashimoto's, so don't eat gluten, don't eat dairy. I don't eat any of those things anyways. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like I have to go in and be like, listen, this is what I eat. It's, it's a short list of foods that I think work for my body, but that's not a way to live. So it's like, what kind of tests do you, I well, guess, do you I, do? I, I, want, I want to ask you something else. Has anybody ever talked to you about stress management, about sleep? about how you're pooping. You know, these are lifestyle skills that are equally as important, if not more important than what you're eating. It's yeah. about breath. It's about rest. Rest is doing something for yourself, believe it or not. And that's something that a lot of people have a very hard time doing because if we're quiet, our thoughts might join us. And that's scary for a lot of people. So yes, it's important to look at what foods possibly are inflammatory. I will say that gluten is top of the list when it comes to Hashimoto's for a very good reason. Are you aware of why? It mimics the yes, certain... Go ahead, because you'll, you'll explain it better than I do. <laughs> the gluten molecule is recognized in the body, shaped like a butterfly as is the thyroid gland. Mm -hmm. So if you have a thyroid gland and your body is primed to attack it, because that's what Hashimoto's is, it's when the immune system of the body attacks the thyroid so it doesn't function properly, introducing a gluten molecule is going to trigger the immune system to attack. Now, having said that, I would never tell a client to stop eating pasta, to stop eating bread. Right. We're going to find really great quality substitutes so that there is no deprivation. Yes. And if those are fear foods, we work on that. So you see where everything works hand in hand. I am not a proponent of restricting. I'm a proponent of swapping. And, but then the other piece of that, putting on my eating psychology coach hat, is why would somebody 
choose to eat something that doesn't make them feel good. That's where the empowerment piece comes in, right? If it's so difficult for one to give up a food, that needs to be addressed as well. Why, why does that particular food have hold such power over you that you're willing to give up your sense of well-being? Right. So would you say that this really all does for folks who are dealing with disordered eating and autoimmune, it really does come down to managing stress in the body? I mean, because I've heard so many different podcasts and read articles about adrenal fatigue and how adrenal fatigue Mm -hmm. is correlated with Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism. So it's almost like stop the working out. I I basically put myself on this no cardio for six months. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm, I've just cut it out because it seems like everything is pointing back to, well, when your body's stressed, everything starts to slow down metabolism the gut starts to have issues hormonally so whether you're trying to just you know feel better with your autoimmune disorder and not have symptoms or maybe you are because i know you have clients who who do want to lose weight you know i've Mm -hmm. I've watched a video uh, on youtube of yours when you were saying you know losing weight and like the metabolism and um i'd love to get into that too because years of disordered eating will slow down your metabolism well stress stress impacts metabolism in that when we are stressed digestion literally shuts down i'll explain why Digestion, the digestive system, requires more energy than any other system in the body to do its job, okay? The digestive tract is long. Believe it or not, digestion really starts in the head with how we think about food, right? And the brain sends messages to the gut and turns everything on, right? So we eat food. It goes down a really, really long canal goes through all kinds of chemical reactions and transitions till what is supposed to end up in the toilet ends up in the toilet. It takes a lot of energy. When we are stressed, when the body perceives a threat, and that could be any kind of a threat, whether it be mental, psychologically, or literally having to run away from danger, whether it's a person or an animal, all of the energy in the body is diverted to take us away from danger. Therefore, digestion is impacted greatly when we are under stress. So that's one thing. So worrying about what we're eating has more of an impact than any imperfect food we might eat, number one. So the stress to the body from um, an autoimmune or any kind of chronic disease, chronic illness, we're, we're living in a stress response unless we take measures to correct that. And what is that? It's breathe, practicing breathing, practicing being present, appropriate movement, mm-hmm. sleep. Sleep is a non-negotiable. Sleep has to be a non-negotiable. 
the connections we're making, you know, what we are connecting to outside of ourselves, you know, social media. <laughs> you know, we're living in a society now that cares more about comparison than it does about connection. And we're surrounded by a culture, particularly diet culture, that is profiting off the fact that most of us are clearly disconnected from the wisdom of our bodies. Right. And that's a stressor too, is constantly thinking, I'm fat, I have to lose weight, my body's not working, this person looks like this. Um, I kind of want to go back to what I... What I had asked you before about your clients coming in who maybe have suffered from eating disorders in the past. Maybe not. Mm -hmm. Maybe they have an eating disorder now and they, and they want to either lose weight or just feel better. And they feel like they are in, I'm putting in quotes, starvation Mm -hmm. mode Mm -hmm. because this term we hear a lot and it's like, Oh, you know, starvation mode is when your metabolism shuts down you know, your, your digestion is everything you're saying makes complete sense with your digestion, you know, is not working, then your body is not able to comprehend what's going on, which, which will probably lead to inflammation and weight gain and all these things. So what are your thoughts on somebody who says, look, I'm, I'm working out, I'm eating super clean. I'm, doing everything right and I'm not losing weight like those people have eating disorders too because they might be eating so little that Mm -hmm. they feel trapped yeah well that's why that's why we track and then of course a big part of that for anybody as I said before it's resetting the nervous system it's looking at the stress how stressed are you over this Why are you so stressed? You know, stressed over this. Years ago, I set a boundary for myself that I was not going to take on any weight loss client unless she was willing to do the deep dive into why the weight came on in the first place. Now, there are people who are struggling with resistant weight loss because there are metabolic and hormonal issues going on. But again, that takes us back to gut health. Right. And what you do is functional medicine, and that takes you back to figuring out what's going on internally to make that happen. Exactly. Exactly. And that gut-brain connection is so very powerful. What are your thoughts about your body? What are your thoughts about the food you're eating? What, what's the belief system that you have about hunger and fullness and satiety? What were the message, messages you got? Who's making the food choices you're making? Is it the petulant child, the rebellious teen? Or is it somebody who's, who's aligned with the best intention for herself? Become an observer. Step back. Look at your behavior as, a, as an active observer that helps you stay away from falling prey to the default behavior that has become your familiar, your zone of comfort. Let's look at your identity. Let's look at how you're sourcing your self-worth. These are all parts of the puzzle that need to be addressed, which is why it takes time. It takes time to undo all of this so you can 
like I say, turn the page on the story that's no longer working and start to write what will become your happily ever after. Yeah, I've and I've heard I have I've heard you on maybe maybe it was Karen's podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if this was the term you used, but the term chronic, like a, like a, a client who's chronic and can't recover. I've had moments where I've felt that I am chronic and I'm not going to recover. I mean, yes, on one hand, I recovered from bulimia, which I'm very proud of. I did that pretty much on my own. But there's other remnants of my eating disorder that are here and it feels like it's here to stay. The restriction, the the fear of foods, which is connected now to a different root cause, which mm-hmm. is the Hashimoto's. But um, what do you what do you do with someone who feels like it's just been so ingrained in the way that they live, and they're just like maybe full recovery isn't possible for me. What what kind of recovery is is possible then for someone who feels because I, I mean again in all these groups that I go to and mm-hmm. I'll put myself under the bus sometimes I feel like this mm-hmm. and I hear people say you know I've had this for 20 30 years and it, sometimes you have these moments of hopelessness and helplessness like you know it's just so many things going on physical health the eating disorder the food the gut the inflammation, all these symptoms, where, where do you begin with someone who feels like full recovery isn't even possible? Understanding that that can be reframed in a way that the eating disorder can be managed. It's not always possible to quote unquote, get rid of the eating disorder, but you can strengthen your healthy voice so that when the voice of the eating disorder rears its ugly head and does its best to convince you that you cannot live without it, you can respond and your healthy voice can get the last word. And that would be the approach I would take with somebody who shared that she didn't feel that she could fully recover. Because again, recovery is very bio-individual. You know, it's very nuanced. It has innuendo. It looks different for everybody because, you know, let's put it this way. Recovery from anything in life is very relational. It's how we relate to the world. It's how we relate to our daily lives. But it's how we relate to ourselves. And our relationship to self is reflected in our relationship to everything else. So that needs to be addressed in a case like you're describing. Um, that's how I would, would coach you. You know, let's look at, at what recovery looks like for you. Right. What does it mean for you? What is it that you can let go of in order to feel present, to embrace where you are right now, to stop fearing what food will do to you and start to embrace what it can do for you? Let's find the foods that will do that for you. Let's take the power away from the food and give the power back to you, the you you want to be. So you can be the change. You can live the change. Right. It's so hard because 
it, it almost feels like a loop. It feels like a loop, like a, a vicious cycle. It's like, okay, I want to make these changes. I, um, I'm aware that the stress is, is sometimes the main cause, but at the end of the day, for for folks who have the, all these symptoms from from foods that are deemed healthy, it's so hard just to get out of that cycle of restriction or orthorexia um, because deep down, I know that, you know, living in, in a restrictive, stressed out way, sometimes that's hyper focused on my symptoms. Would you say that like even hyper focusing on the symptoms is like a problem? <laughs> like I, well, I feel like people with eating disorders, not to make a generalization, mm-hmm. but um, folks with eating disorders are very aware of their body. Well, it, it becomes Gab, a matter of identity. Right. And for many people, and I was one of them, the fear became, well, who will I be without these behaviors? Who will I be without these thoughts that have been protecting me for so long? I would I would also like to go back to something you're saying, using the word restricting a lot Mm -hmm. when talking about your own behavior with food. Yeah. Maybe that needs to be reframed. Yeah. Maybe instead of thinking restriction. You could think about making healthy choices for yourself so you feel better. Yes. See, there's no restriction in that mindset. That mindset is about empowered choice. I think the eating disorder recovery realm would would look at the way that I eat. I eat very Ayurvedic um, inspired Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. you know, Yes, there are days where I would say, yeah, this probably isn't normal to eat this way um, or as little as I'm eating or whatever. But the eating disorder realm loves to label what is normal and what's not. And it's such a gray area. Well, that's why I would advise you and encourage you to find a different realm to surround yourself. You know, it's very difficult to get well in the environment that makes you sick. This episode is brought to you by Thought Cloud CBD, which is one of the purest CBD companies I'm affiliated with. They are Reiki-infused, vegan, sustainable, and pure, lab-tested, world-renowned CBD, and they have a variety of products from tinctures to topicals and even face masks and facial cleansers that are infused with CBD in them. I've actually been using Thought Cloud CBD products for almost two years now, and I love their tinctures so much. Um, It was one of the first companies that I really got deep into the tincture form of healing, and their tinctures are really nice and light. They have coconut oil in them. They don't have all these crazy flavors with additives and, you know, different types of chemicals that you don't want to be in your CBD. You just want exactly what you are getting. And the reason why you take CBD is to heal. So you don't want any of those junky fillers in there. And CBD is not meant to have that stuff in it. 
So Thought Cloud is all about healing and I recommend using their tinctures for anxiety, depression, inflammation, gut health, autoimmune flare-ups, and I also use their CBD facial cleanser bar soap, the CBD mud mask that you guys always see me posting about in my stories. So if you'd like to check out Thought Cloud, you can follow them on Instagram, just type in Thought Cloud, or you can purchase anything off their website, thoughtcloud.net, and you can use discount code gypsyloveflow for a discount. And if they're ever having a sale, you can also use my discount code gypsyloveflow, and that will give you extra money off, even if it's like a 70% crazy sale that they have. Sometimes they have sales during the season. So go ahead, check them out, thoughtcloud.net. Use code GYPSYLOVEFLOW for a discount at checkout. Right. If someone were to look at my daily food intake, they would probably think, somebody in that realm would think that I also was restrictive. I know what foods make me feel best. Therefore, those are the foods I choose to eat. I don't think I'm restricting at all. I think I'm empowering myself. Because you I'm feel become, good. I feel good. Right. <laughs> Why would I choose to eat something that made me feel poorly? Right. And so that's where I would suggest you looked at, right? Mm-hmm. Not thinking in terms of restricting. I have such a hard time with the whole concept of orthorexia. Mm-hmm. I really do. Yes, there are some people that are afraid not to eat clean, mm-hmm. but it's because they're afraid of becoming fat. Right. Right. Which I hate that term anyway. Fat is an essential nutrient. Fat or is just not gaining weight in general. Right. Just exactly. Like they just don't want to get bigger. Or... Right. So, and, and why is that? When you are eating according to what your body needs, your body is going to remain lean. It's going to find a healthy, happy weight for itself. And that's another thing. We all have to learn to accept our bodies. We have to accept the changes that occur. We have to accept the monthly cycle. We have to rejoice in those changes. Rejoice in the fact that our bodies are in a flow and we're not always going to feel the same. And because we're not always going to feel the same, we're going to have different needs nutritionally and lifestyle-wise. That's where the acceptance has to begin. Yeah. So I would lovingly suggest that you stop thinking in terms of restriction okay. and start thinking in terms of choice. I really like that that switch up because the the term restriction makes you feel or makes me feel guilty or shame or you know, I'm still in my eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Things are different now and I I love that that shift in in perspective and and like wordage because I shouldn't I shouldn't have to feel shame for how I'm eating I'm just doing the best that I can right now with the symptoms I have with what works and sometimes when we put ourselves in in this box of um, recovery or having an eating disorder you you could feel like it's very black and white sometimes. Um, and what you said about like accepting your body for where it is, especially after years of having an eating disorder, um, your body 
the metabolism does work different and and you might be in a little bit of a bigger body and that's just like the way that it is i don't know that it has anything to do with metabolism no it just might happen to happen to have something to do with genes okay and and your cell growth and and what your body is needing that makes sense you know letting go of the stress letting go of the fear will allow your body to function in that flow. It will allow you to feel lighter when you cut those chains off. And when your body feels lighter, when you feel lighter in your soul, Mm -hmm. your body becomes lighter. And it stops being about what you weigh. You know, I, I wrote in my book that eating disorder lifts gradually. It's unlike any other addiction, right? You, you can state the date of your last drink, your right. last spending binge, your last foray into a, a, a casino. Mm-hmm. But eating disorders lift like a cloud. I know for me, it's about realizing that, gee, I got dressed today and I didn't weigh myself. Or wow. I ordered a salad and I forgot to ask for dressing on the side and I ate it anyway. Or I forgot to ask for an egg white omelet and I got a whole egg omelet and I ate it. Yeah. That's what recovery looks like. The cloud lifting. Yeah, and it could be very, very gradual, like little tiny glimpses of this. Yes. Yes. You know, each day or each week. And I do definitely believe with eating disorder recovery, it's, um, you know, sometimes you'll feel like it's 10 steps forward, five steps back, 10 steps forward, three steps back. It's just this constant dance of trying to just understand what's going on. And relapse, the word relapse, I mean, I... I understand where that word comes from, especially in like the the drug and alcohol um, addiction realm, because mm-hmm. I've struggled with that as well. But for me, not doing drugs and alcohol is a piece of cake, no pun intended. Yeah. But it's just the eating disorder is it's an addiction, I guess you would say. But you can't abstain from food. It's it's this is a lifestyle, and I feel like that could be also so stressful. I mean, abstaining from a substance, it's just, okay, hands Mm -hmm. clean, cold turkey. It's, it's almost less stressful, but yeah, everything that you're saying makes complete sense to me and it does have to do with stress. Yeah. But I also want you to be aware of something, why food is so powerful. Our very first experience as humans, our very first experience with being seen and heard and nurtured has to do with food, right? Right out of the birth canal, we are introduced to either bottle or breast, Mm -hmm. and we're held close, and we're wrapped, and we're warm. We have no autonomy, no ego. We are one and totally dependent on the person responsible for our care and feeding. Then we start to grow. We develop a sense of self, and for some the safety piece might be gone, right? Where there's rejection, abandonment, emotionally absent caregivers. 
whatever the reason is, you know, worse abuse. But we know in our brains that we eat, we feel better. We eat, we're seen. Food is a constant. It's always there for us. So we go back to that when we have a need for it. So that's very important for people to understand about why food is so powerful. It is powerful. But we need not be powerless over it. You can't be powerless over something you can't live without, which is why I personally have trouble with a 12-step approach to food, to eating. Because, you know, whereas some people might say there are physical addictions with food. And yes, some foods are manufactured in such a way that we really can't eat just one. That's a whole different conversation. Mm -hmm. But there's a psychological addiction to food. It's because of how it makes us feel. Right. And that alters our brain chemistry in itself. So that's really important to understand. And when we can understand the context, as I started to say in the very beginning, understand the context within which these behaviors evolved, we can start to understand our reliance on food. And that's how we can take a step back and realize that we can self-soothe. We can be seen, we can be heard, we can be nourished in ways that have nothing to do with food. We don't need to rely on the food to self-soothe because oh, yeah. or the control. it becomes, it really becomes self-destructive. Yeah. And causes that, that toxic inner dialogue that makes mm -hmm. you feel heavy, that makes you feel stressed. Mm -hmm. It's like this, sometimes I feel like the stress level that I feel since my adrenals are basically shot and mm -hmm. it's like one more thing I can't handle it you know I I, I will mm -hmm. go off the edge sometimes it's like this buzzing this like vibrating in my body and that's like that's a clear-cut sign when that happens it's like you literally need to unplug like I, talking to myself um, so I try to really just take everything that's going on around me and kind of put like a bubble around me. Like, I'm not going to respond to that. I'm not going to open that. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just not, I'm just not because right. anything that can set me off into that fight or flight mode, mm -hmm. that's exactly what the Hashimoto's and the autoimmune and, mm -hmm. and warrior anxiety or depression thrives off of. Yeah. And you know, you mentioned hormones before, right? So mm -hmm. we know that yes, thyroid is a hormone, but then you, when you're stressed, you also have cortisol attached to cortisol yes. is insulin. Yes. All those hormones play a huge part. Then there's estrogen. Now estrogen also is filtered through the gut, the liver. So again, we're back to gut health. And 90 to 98% of people who struggle with eating disorders present with some sort of GI dysfunction. So if you start, if, if you at least start there and you start to just nourish in ways that um, soothe and help the gut like function mm -hmm. with ease and, and more properly, that makes complete sense to me. 
Yeah. 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 So, you know, back to functional medicine, a, a typical functional medicine protocol would be to eliminate inflammatory foods, mm-hmm. right? My take, functional approach to eating disorder recovery is to eliminate the inflammatory thoughts, beliefs, and behaviors. Mm-hmm. Now, some of those behaviors might include some foods, but that's not where we start. Then we look at deficiencies, nutritional deficiencies, but where are you deficient in your life? What's nourishing you in life, right? Who's showing up at the table? And then, of course, creating a toolbox. You know, what what are the supplements that you can rely on that can help you to function with ease, right? What are the stress management tools? How are you sleeping? How are you moving? What are the relationships that need to be cultivated? So it's a multi-leveled approach that starts with context and certainly a heavy emphasis on what's happening in your gut. Yeah. That makes complete sense to me. And um, you've just kind of like laid out this like validation kind of for me to to keep going with trying to find a holistic um, functional doctor and that it really does start with um, the stress and healing and, you know, one last thing I'll say, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but one last thing I'll say for anybody who's listening, um, when it comes to like food, sometimes you will think you're eating the healthiest and best for your body. But like I was eating raw vegetables all the time Mm -hmm. and big salads. And I was realizing that that was not helping my gut lining. That was not helping anything. It was making me feel worse. So now I've started to implement making these like soups and these stews and kind of like these concoctions that I make that are like steamed vegetables and steamed mm-hmm. things. And I feel a little bit better. So it's just these little these little changes can definitely go a long way. Absolutely. I wrote something a little while ago. It was a post about I was eating the healthiest food on earth. My body didn't agree because I was struggling with bacterial imbalances in my gut as a result, probably, of years and years and years of restricting compulsive overeating at times and laxative abuse. And there were foods that my body just couldn't handle. And I really had to step back and make the right choices. But I really want you to reframe that whole concept of restriction. Yeah, You're not restricting. You're honoring your body. And perhaps you could do it a little differently. Mm-hmm. Perhaps you could let go a little bit of what, is, uh, what shows up as control. But just open yourself up to the possibility of discovery and exploration. And that's how we open ourselves up to receiving. And that's how we walk into a mindset of abundance, by setting boundaries, right? Just because you're saying no to a certain food does not mean you're restricting. It does not mean you're on a diet. Right. Yeah. That, I mean, I love, I love that. And I'm going to work on that. I, I am really, I like how you reframe that. And I like that's pretty much why I wanted you to come on the podcast because 
you're in a a different mindset that I appreciate so much that is not so traditional and you're spiritual and you have so many different amazing outlooks on everything and I could talk to you for another hour or two um but maybe you can come back on the podcast again sometime but you you've mentioned um your books if there's anything that you've written that you want to direct people to or I know you have a YouTube channel you have an Instagram yeah yeah, well, my YouTube channel is brand new. So anybody who wants to learn more about what I do and what I've said, please subscribe. I would really appreciate that. I think I'm up to 41 subscribers. <laughs> so, so I would love that. Instagram, you can find me, uh, The Freedom Promise. Um, but I'm more than happy to engage. Um, you can find me through my website, which is thefreedompromise.com. And I am, I'm here to not only embrace my own recovery, but to pay it forward. And that is my mission. And that is what helps me to get up every day and embrace this big, beautiful life that I am blessed to have. So I thank you so much for the opportunity to be with you. I would love to come back and continue the conversation. I too could talk about this for hours and hours. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just so very grateful. Um, on my website also, I have a lot of free resources. Okay. I have a guide that is my seven steps to food freedom, which um, I will put that all in the show notes for sure. Great. Yeah. Any and links? then I have a master class. I have an online course, soon to be released, second online course. Um, Amazing. Yeah, and I'm very happy to uh, talk to you about that offline as well. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Everyone who's listening, recovery can be messy, um, but life is messy and beautiful at the same time. So um, thank you, Mindy, so much for coming on. Thank you. How can I transform resistance? Release that struggling heart into calm energy. Well, I will make something.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 